one. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Losses Above Replacement, the best baseball podcast to grace your ears. I am your host, Alex Clark, joined by our very own Broken Takes and Matthias Alman Kurosaki and Ryan Splash Pots. My main man, how are we doing on this Monday evening? I'm doing all right, I'd say. It rained a lot today in New York, which is not so great. But other than that, I'm doing all right. Uh, had a bit of uh, I've had a few long work weeks, let's be real. But uh other than that, I mean it's going well and uh yeah, I'm just I'm just kinda chilling. Uh f- football season's begun, so I've been watching a lot of football. Uh and I'm looking forward to going to the Jets Patriots game this weekend. I don't have a horse in the race necessarily, but I, I got invited to the game, so I said, Why not? And I'm going on Sunday. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, the Ravens are two and oh, they beat the Bungles. Lamar was unfriggin' unbelievable. It's a good time to be alive. Go Ravens. The problem is Ravens are going to go two and one after Gardner Minshew steps in and does what Gardner Minshew does next week. But anyway, regardless on uh, that, yeah. I mean he is he's, he's the god amongst men. He's he is the homeboy. But okay. anyway, yeah, we were the ones that launched his career. You remember the preseason game Ravens Jags with all the memes when he got absolutely run over by one of our defensive players that spawned the NFL legend of Gardner Minshew. So don't use his name in vain. I'm not using his name in vain. I'm yes, bringing his name up. Gardner Minshew is, le- le- is the living legend. Yes, and he's only a legend. He's only a legend because he got drowned by a random Raven in a preseason game. And I think you don't understand what it means when to say put someone's name in vain when I'm already lifting them up. I don't think you understand. We need to lift him higher. I do you want me to lift him up higher? I will gladly do so. I love that man. Anyway, Uh, um, (laughs) I I guess we didn't know we were uh, we're doing a football podcast today. Um, yeah, welcome to football losses of our replacement, the best football podcast. Yeah, I, I don't know what the equivalent of that is. Um, would it be uh, to the fumbles what, above replacements? Approximate value above replacement. Yeah, I'd go with that. That that sounds about right. Anyway, back to baseball here. I'm actually pretty down, gonna be honest with you, with how bad the Mariners have been lately, including I was at the 11 inning game, and that was one of the most intense baseball games I've ever been to. And then just to have them score five runs in the 11th inning, just man, it felt like a balloon being run over by a Ford truck. Like it just felt bad. Anyway, regardless of that. We're going to get on with the show here. We just spent a lot of time talking about football. We're back to baseball, and we're going to start out talking a little bit about the awards season coming up, specifically the National League Cy Young. We will be talking about the American League Cy Young, but someone named Cole just playing really good. We all just thought, nah, he's probably going to get it. So we wanted to focus mostly on the National League here for this one. And there are five names that we've we've all collectively brought up that we think are a very real chance of getting first place votes. One of them, maybe not so much, but Splash will talk a little bit on that one a little bit later. But we'll see how that goes. The five names that we have for you guys today are Spencer Strider, Blake Snell, Justin Steele, Kodai Senga, and Logan Webb. Now, let's start, you know what? Let's start out with Strider. I think that's going to be an interesting conversation here. A lot of lists have him in their top five. Here's Splash, our Braves guy. Do you think it's all hype? Do you think it's real? What do you think about putting Strider in the MVP in the NL Cy Young conversation? So this is the fundamental conversation with 
Cy Young or MVP or any award for that matter? Are you choosing the best player or the player who had the best season? Are you looking under the hood for what the implied results might be, what the expectation might be, or are you looking at what actually happened on the baseball field? And if you're picking Spencer Strider in your top five, let alone three, let alone one, you are looking too much under the hood. You're looking at the FIP. You are looking at the strikeout rate. You are looking at the XFIP, expected ERA. You're looking at your baseball savant page. The problem is he has a 3.73 ERA. That would be one of the highest ERAs by a Cy Young ever, if not the highest. Yeah, I know he strikes out a lot of guys. He is a very outside shot at 300 strikeouts. He has a FIP under three. His whip is just over one. He strikes out almost 14 batters per nine. I get that. He might be the best pitcher out of this group moving forward. That's fine. You can make that argument. I made the argument last year that Freddie Freeman was a better baseball player than Paul Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt deserved MVP, but Freeman had better under-the-hood numbers. To me, that's the same argument we have here. Strider, better under-the-hood numbers than anyone in baseball. Fine. Has the best FIP in baseball. Fine. Strikes everybody and their brother out. Fine. But he allows a ton of home runs. He's gotten a little unlucky with the earned runs he has when the Braves bring in bullpen arms when he has a man on. It feels like all of them score against Strider. But he's had a good season. He's been a productive starter. I'd imagine you, you, you throw him out there every four or five days and you expect him to be one of the best pitchers in the planet. But he just hasn't been that this season. Could he be number one next year? Absolutely. He's that good. He is that guy. John Smoltz said he was the most talented Braves pitcher ever at age 24. I don't disagree with that. But the results aren't there. And MVP is a results-based award. Or Cy Young is a results-based award. Yeah, and that's my main issue here is that, and I'm all about strikeouts. I'm Some of the guys I'm highest on, and this goes on both ends, are if you're for hitters, I'm all about guys with big raw power, you know, who hit a lot of home runs. Maybe they strike out a lot. And on the mound, I'm a big fan of the guys who strike out a bunch of guys. Spencer Strider, I mean, 259 strikeouts in 169 innings is nothing to scoff at. That's a, you know, he has a 2.83 FIP, highest strikeout rate in the majors. I mean, to strike out nearly 38% of the batters he faced as a starting pitcher is insane. His walks are down this year, but. His home runs, I mean, last year he allowed seven and 131 two-thirds innings, good for a .5 home runs per nine. This year that rate is more than doubled, actually. He's given up 20 in 169 innings, which is a 1.1 home runs per nine. So that 3.73 ERA is just too much for me to ignore. Uh, like, I, I think he's got probably, of the five guys we're discussing, he might have the best stuff, purely. Uh, in my head, I really – I didn't expect him to be a starter. When I first watched him, I was like, this guy's destined to be a reliever. He reminded me a lot of Billy Wagner, a right-handed version. Uh, so Strider, for me, I don't even know if I can put him in the top five. Like I was saying, like Splash saying, like the under-the-hood numbers are fantastic. The service numbers, other than strikeouts, really aren't. So uh, I don't even I don't even have him in my top five. I don't think I would give him a first-place vote. Maybe he gets some down ballot votes, but I don't think I can put him in the top five. Yeah, he's not in my top five. Like, I look at what he's got right now, and he's, don't get me wrong, he has had a pretty solid year overall. A FIP of 283, an ERA plus of 119, a strikeout per nine uh, rating of 13.8, and striking out uh, 259 people right now. Like, that's good. 
That's very good. Is that Cy Young, though? And the answer, my answer to that is no. He's had himself, though, a good year, 3.73 ERA also to put on top of it. But when I look at what he's got right now, like I said, I don't think he is enough. And you guys have said it better than I could here. He's, you take a lot of a look, you take a bigger look at the inside stats, and you think, man, you know what, this guy's got everything. But then you look at a few other factors, and it just doesn't, doesn't fit there. And I think with how strong pitching has been in the National League, there are definitely some better candidates for it. So are we good to move on to our last one, to the next one before we go to on anything else on Strider? All right. Let's move on to our next guy. And this is what a lot of people have as their number one here. Personally, for me, I don't have him there. And that is one Blake Snell. I love Blake Snell. I have been a big supporter of Blake Snell for years. Again, I've got to support my Seattle boys. But look at what he's done right now. What it really comes down to is that a lot of people that think that he needs to be the the guy is because you take a look at or those are the people that are looking only at ERA plus, which don't get me wrong, is a very good ERA plus. One sixty nine is absolutely incredible with a two forty three ERA. The guy has been balling. There's one big number. That really stands out, though, and that is the walks. 93 walks on the season already, which leads right now the league, the National League. Actually, I believe that also leads just the all, all major leagues in general. 93 it does, walks is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that is a ton of walks. And for a guy that's, that is continuously giving up more and more free base runners, the other part about it is that because he's throwing a lot of pitches, he's not going deep into games right now, only at 167 innings on the season right now, which I probably value innings pitch more than the next guy, but I have my reasoning for it. Don't get me wrong. He's got a lot of good stuff and is going to get first place votes. But personally for me, he's not my number one. Guys, what do you think? Let's start with Mac. Here, what do you think about Blake Snell? Do you think that he should be the number one? What do you think? I'm I'm really torn on this. This is the thing is because, yes, ERA is the best in the majors by, I mean, after I mean, at this point, it's it's not a particularly close race for the ERA title, but walks as a baseball fan, walks drive me insane. That's the thing. But you also have to look at, you know, his last twenty starts, he has an ERA of one point three. Like that is that that that's not a small sample size. He's cut his ERA down from over five down to two point four. This is a guy. He was. He did not make the All Star game. That I mean, he just he got off to a slow start this year. People were questioning him again. Here's the issue, though, is that he's only he has, during that stretch, that twenty start stretch, he's barely worked more than six innings, or sorry, more than seven innings. Really, he's only gone seven innings twice in that stretch, that twenty start stretch. And I sort of do value innings pitch. That's the issue. He's had a lot of outings where he's gone five. You know, a lot of them are six innings. All right, six innings, that's fine. Yes, the strikeouts are there. The ERA is there. The walks drive me insane. So, as great as he's been, I, I have a very hard time giving him the Cy Young. I think as of right now, he probably wins the award. Do I think he deserves it? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'd give him my first place vote. But he's probably a top two or top three finisher. So the Snell case is complex. And I think part of the 
dichotomy here is the stuff argument versus the actual results argument. And Snell has elite stuff and the results are elite. So everything on that end is good, right? He's not allowing runs. And that's the goal of your pitcher, right? Don't allow runs. But it comes at the cost of the whip is ugly because he walks so many guys. The walk rate is horrendous. It's one of the highest ever by a potential Cy Young winner. But you also have to look at it. Is it a strategic thing for Snell? And I think it is. I think it's a a case of you are going to force the top couple hitters in a lineup to fish. And he has the sort of secondary pitches that can make people fish. And that's going to lead to a couple extra walks here or there. Um, But to me, it's impressive how he works around it. He is incredible pitching with men on. Um, And you can look at some splits. And when he faces the top of the order, the first two batters, there's a 6.56 OPS. Pretty good. Hitters are hitting 187 for context, a slugging 333. Well, the middle of the order, three through six, those drop. 617 OPS. Bottom of the order, it's an automatic out. 511 OPS, 181 batting average against. So he is getting outs. And when you walk someone, that's not moving base runners around the bases. Singles can do that. Doubles can do that. Home runs, everyone scores. But it's, uh, I think part of it is Snell knowing he can walk the number three hitter or walk the number four hitter or walk a hitter and get the optimal advantage. And he knows that guy is at worst, at, at worst for the Padres is going to hit a single, right? Or going to draw a walk. And it's, to me, the same argument we have with intentional walks. For a long time, I've been totally against intentional walks. Pitch to the guy because even the best hitter in baseball history, Ty Cobb, had a 366 batting average. He failed at getting to first base 63% of the time. Take your chances as a pitcher. But I can understand where Snell and the Padres, I think this is a organizational thing with Snell. This is not a... This is not a, oh, he's losing command. No, he is intentionally throwing a lot of pitches around the edge of the strike zone, forcing the other team to hit mistakes and hit it to Hassan Kim, hit it to Xander Bogarts, hit it to Manny Machado, hit it to Jake Cronenworth. You know, it's a pretty good defensive infield. So if they hit a, you know, a sinker below the zone or a pitch below the zone, oh, it's a ground ball, right? If they whiff, he's going to the dugout. If you don't do anything, anything that's four, okay, he's on first base. No harm, no foul there. So it's it's really odd to watch. And one more split, he's allowing a five hundred on or five hundred OPS with runners in scoring position, a one sixty four batting average. That's just ludicrous. Five thirty seven OPS with two outs. I, I don't have words for this. He's allowing a batting average under 100 with two outs and men in scoring position. Like that's why the ERA is low, but I think that's also a skill thing that Snell knows his stuff is good enough to get anyone in baseball out at any time. Here's okay. And I, you know, honestly, I, I get it. And I appreciate all that. My thing is that at that point is if you are doing that, then I need you to have that control as well to be able to keep it in the strike zone. And I don't, I'm not saying he has he's having problems with that either, but also like if you're pitching around a lot of guys, then I want to see you also take that and be able to turn that into less walks in general. Which I mean, you know what? 
that's fine. And I'm not knocking on Snell at all. I think he is a fantastic pitcher. And I'm not going to be mad if he wins the Cy Young. But I'll probably be pretty darn happy. I just would not if I'm if I'm putting in my ballot. I'm not putting him at number one. Can, can I just on. ju- jump in yeah, one one do. other please thing do, real yeah. quick? Is that so he's also so he's only allowed one home run with runner men in, with men in scoring position this year, and also he's only faced the bases loaded fifteen or, or for sixteen plate appearances. And he's only allowed one hit, so that is crazy. Also, that I want to just quickly yeah. quickly point out. I didn't realize how good his curveball has been this year. As a pot, it has a 19 run value and a 54% whiff rate. So, if you want to know how nasty Blake Snell's stuff is, just look at those numbers. You know, that's a very fair point. It's an extremely fair point. All right, let's move on to our next one here. A guy that I'm going to be honest, I don't think a whole lot of people really had on their radars at the beginning of the year here. And that is from the Chicago Cubs. We got one Justin Steele. Now, guys, a lot of people didn't have him on their boards for Cy Young going into this year, considering it's only what his third year in the ma- in the ma- in the majors at this point. But a lot of people, we've been talking about him a lot on our Monday mentions again. If you do, if you uh, follow us on Twitter at lar underscore baseball, you'll see our Monday mentions almost every single week here. So, guys, I want you, I want you guys to take here. Is this smoke? Is this real? What do you guys think when it comes to steel here? You know, I heard some Cubs fan Cubs fans hyping up Steele before the season. Um, and say, like, okay, it's just Cubs fans being Cubs fans. It'd be no different than any other team. Well, he's, you know, put the pedal to the metal here. And I know he got roughed up in Arizona his last outing, but he's been he's been excellent. And run prevention, like we've said, is the name of the game. Two seven three ERA. He and Snell were going back and forth, lowering that each game. Um, he's striking out about one batter every night or uh one batter per inning. He has the lowest home run rate allowed in the National League. He's an all-star this year. Uh, the whip is a little bit higher than you like with the 8.3 hits per nine and the uh, the 1.9 walks per nine is excellent. But, yeah, I mean, Steele came to the plate here. Uh, the other way, I guess. Stepped up to the plate and has, has balled out. Um, and he's been either one or two in our uh, weekly Cy Young picks. If you're a wins guy, he has 16 of them. He's a big reason why the Cubs are in this situation, uh, being in a wild card spot, um, depending on what day it is. Uh, He's sixth in the NL and championship win probability added. He's eighth in the NL and situational wins saved. He's seventh in the NL and overall win probability added. Um, So he is a huge difference maker. And if you're a, a team guy, if you're voting for a guy who's making a difference between making and missing the playoffs, Justin Steele might be your guy. It's not going to be Strider. It's not going to be Senga. It's not going to be um, Blake, Blake Snell. It it could very well be Justin Steele. I find yeah. it honestly really yeah. I find it really interesting here that at the beginning of the year, if you would have told me that there was going to be a Cy Young contender from the Cubs, I think there's another name that probably would have come up a lot more often. And that's the one Marcus Stroman. Like, Stroman looked like he was going to be pretty darn good at the beginning of this year. I know we had talked about his, the potential of him winning the Cy Young a number of times here on this podcast. And then Justin Steele said, hold my beer, and has continued to pitch lights out baseball. Like, he has played exceptionally well this season. And one thing I want to really mention here is that this isn't out of nowhere either. 
Like last year, he pitched pretty darn well as well with an ERA plus of 132. And this year has an ERA plus of 164 with a homer per nine rate of only 0.7. And I know this stat doesn't mean anything, but the fact that he has won of his 20 games, so 20 games with a decision, he's gotten to win in 16 of them. I'm not saying that means much, but it does it does bring a good mention to know that when he steps up to the bump, you know you have a good chance of winning that ball game, which is just always good to see at that point. But also, I want to bring attention here to that 2.73 ERA is fantastic. And every single year since 2021, he has dropped that ERA by a pretty significant margin, too. 2021 had the ERA of 4.26. In 2022, an ERA of 3.18, and this year went down even further to 2.73. He has done a lot this year. He's played very, very well. And he's done what I like about him mostly is that he's done everything well. Not great, not amazing, but he's done everything well. 165 innings pitched is a little low for what I like. 164 strikeouts is good. It's good, not great, but good. And that ERA, again, at 2.73 is absolutely fantastic. He's definitely in my top three, I think, when it comes to the Cy Young this year. And, man, I don't know, but like, I feel like this is just not one of those moments where you see a pitcher come out of nowhere and do amazing work, but then the further you, di- the further you dig in, the more you realize, you know, this guy's going to be around for a while. This ain't a flash in the pan. It's the crazy thing is that he, he was drafted in 2014 uh, out of high school, and he didn't make the majors until 2021. I mean, he had a 5.59 ERA uh, in double A in 2019, and he was not a guy I had on my radar as a Cy Young contender. I knew he had a solid year as a, as you know, a bit of a an innings eater when the Cubs were out of contention last year. Uh, but this year, and if you'd asked me, a week ago, not maybe not even a week ago, who my Cy Young winner was, I would have said Justin Steele. But that that you know ugly outing against the D-backs, which that was just an overall ugly series for the Cubs, it kind of knocks him to second place on my ballot. It, it's it, it hurts me to say it, but that ERA jumped to seven three. Uh, I understand he's probably been. You know, with with his control and his, you know, he keeps the ball in the yard. He's probably been would be considered the better over, maybe a more complete pitcher than Snell. But for me, I have to put him in second right now. And like I said, it kind of hurts to say that because I I had him as the front runner. Uh, but that last start, you know, when his team needed him big time to step up, he he had a bad outing. Uh, that being said, I mean, the Cubs probably would not be in contention without him. You know, Stroman got hurt. Hendricks was hurt for a lot of the year. So I have him in second. Uh, I know he might not be the flashiest pitcher in the world. Uh, maybe his stuff isn't as good as Snell or Strider. But I think he's a solid second place right now, and that can go up and down depending on what happens these last two weeks. And if you're one of the ones living in the land of make-believe and FIP, uh, Steele is second to Strider in the National League. Fair enough, then. So, yeah, honestly, I just love the story right now at this point, and I think that Steele has done incredible work, and it's going to be really fun watching him going forward and what will happen if the Cubs make the playoffs. 
So moving forward here, we're going to go to our next guy here. Go to a man that um, one Mr. Matthias Olmakurasaki likes a whole lot. And to be fair, I do too. And that's Kodai Senga. So, Mag, let's start out with you here. Let's talk about Senga a little bit. The man with the mythical ghost fork. What do you have to say on Senga and his Cy Young chances? Well, the fact that we're even talking about him as a Cy Young contender is really amazing to me because he kind of had like an up and down start to his major league career. He had major control problems early on. Uh, I remember he had a couple of rough outings, especially the big thing was getting him to pitch on regular rest on, you know, four days rest. But really ever since I'd say July, July, like the first of July, he's been phenomenal uh, to say the least. He had one rocky outing, uh, but since July 5th, which was his first start in July, he's a 2.32 ERA, 90 strikeouts against 26 walks and 73 and two-thirds innings. And you might be thinking, oh, well, those walks are a little high. Well, compared to what he was averaging early in the season, that's a huge improvement. Uh, I want to point particularly to his fork ball, which he's gotten over 100 strikeouts on that one pitch alone, which that pitch is nasty, by the way. I mean, I've... I, I watched it in person. I don't know how people put it in play. The one issue is that when he doesn't have his best stuff, well, that fork ball kind of just bounces in the dirt. It's easy to lay off. But, I mean, that's the thing is that he – I think people forget that. He's a bit of a veteran. He's 30 years old. He's been around the game. Even if he doesn't have his best stuff, he finds his way to give you, give you six innings and probably, you know, two, maybe three runs at most. So even if he has an off day, quote-unquote, he's giving you length. That ERA is down to 2.95. Uh, by the way, actually, uh, by run value, his cutter has a 15-run value. That's arguably been his best pitch. But he also has a 60% whiff rate on his ghost fork. So there's that. So Senga, I don't necessarily think he's going to win. But right now, I think I have him in third place in, in the, the, the race. Yeah, I think Senga's the perfect guy in third place. Uh, he doesn't have quite the same volume. Um, he I didn't miss a couple starts, but with the the rest scheduler in earlier in the year, he um, had a couple starts delayed, so he's only at twenty seven starts. He hasn't yet qualified for the ERA title. He's at one fifty five point one innings, so he'll get it with his next start in all likelihood. But the Ghost Fork, incredible, uh, one hundred ninety one strikeouts already, sub three ERA. Um, he's third in the NL in ERA plus. He's eighth in the NL in strikeouts. You know, if it's a pitching stat, Senga's probably top 10 in it. Uh, he's third in uh, baseball reference, pitcher war, um, third in ERA, like I said. Top 10 in win-loss percentage, if that matters to you. Ninth in whip. He's been awesome this year. It's a shame he's not pitching meaningful baseball for the Metropolitans. Um, but He's been great, and the sad part is he's probably going to finish second in Rookie of the Year, too. Which is crazy, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, so talk about Senga. I mean, the Ghost Fork is is the Ghost Fork for a reason, and it's, it's been his bread and butter and will continue to be for the remainder of his career, probably. But he's been such a dominant pitcher, to be fair, to give a little bit more credit to the Ghost Fork, it almost feels like one of those star pitches for Mario Baseball that just feels like, how do you hit this? When it works, how do you hit this? But you take a look at the stats a little deeper in, nearly 200 strikeouts, and like you said, over 100 of those 
are from that pitch. A 2.95 ERA, which, again, got to give a little bit more credit here. He may be, again, a old rookie at this point right now, so he's been around for a bit, but he hasn't been around the major leagues. He's been around in other leagues and all that, again, overseas. But this, it, I think people really underplay how hard it is to transition to another level of the game and to a whole different play style of the game. It's a different baseball, too, by the way. Exactly. It's a slightly smaller baseball in Japan. Yeah, no, 100%. The entire game is completely different. And yes, you may have your own physical abilities, but you have to work against batters so much differently, especially against different styles. Again, over in Japan, you've got players that most of the time, their main philosophy is slap singles. Their philosophy is getting base hits and then getting into rallies. We're over here in uh, the major leagues. It's the power ball. It's the long ball. It's about getting, it's getting and driving the ball. And... Being able to work around that and be able to transition to play both styles extremely well, that really shows how good he is. Again, an ERA of under three is fantastic to see on that. And I want to give another quick note as well. This is something that I don't personally like because he has had a bit of problems when it comes to walks. 4.2 walks per nine innings for his average on that. Has a total of 72 walks on the season. Here, 14 home runs given up. Here, but still at 2.95 ERA. Now, he's not my number one either, but I do think that he has himself a great candidacy. He's probably the number three, like you guys were saying. And I really want to see what's going to happen to him in the years coming. Any other last things we want to say here on Sanga before moving on? Yeah. All right. So we're going to move on here to our last guy here. And this is one that I made sure I wanted to put on here. And that is one Logan Webb. Logan Webb has had himself a very interesting season. A 5-0 baseball reference war with over 200 innings pitched for him and 183 strikeouts here. Again, another guy that is just one of those people that you always rely on. Another one of those pitchers that you just, you know, as soon as you see him on the mound, you know it's going to be a tough day at the office for any hitter there. He's not had the best win-loss percentage. You get a 10 to 12 with a 331 ERA, but an ERA plus of 129 and a National League leading uh, whip at 1.055. He's actually also faced the most hitters in the major league and has pitched the most innings in the major leagues. He has been a very interesting pitcher this year. And we've seen that this is this level of production is very, let's just say, consistent. Of him, 2021 ERA plus of 136, 2022 ERA plus of 136, 2023 ERA plus of 129. Like, it's been, like, this dude is the definition, the model of consistency. And it's been really fun to watch when he pitches on that. He's got a good repertoire of pitches. He's got good stuff overall. But the number one thing I love about him this year is that he goes deep into games. He pitches a lot right now. He is the only one of these pitches we've talked about that is over 200 innings. And on top of it, still has over 180 strikeouts. He will more than likely, uh, if he has a couple good, decent outings, well, he will eclipse 200 strikeouts on that. And while the ERA may not be the best at 331, that's still really good. And I want to bring a quick argument into things here. And that is that the ERA plus. Here, let's just have that I like to use a lot, but I feel like this stat betrays him just a little bit. 
because he has thrown a lot more innings than anyone else here on this list. Spencer Strider, 169. Blake Snell, 167. Justin Steele, 165. Kodai Senga here has pitched 155. Like, looking at these, right, he has pitched over four, almost 40 innings more than any of them. And I feel like that almost betrays him because that gives him more time to make these mistakes. It gives him more time to guess, get some more numbers. But it doesn't help the ERA plus near as much. But for these reasons, I have him as my number one vote. I know that that's probably a little bit of an odd pick here, but looking at what he's done, he does everything that I want in a starting pitcher. He goes deep into games consistently and reliably. He is a good strikeout artist. He doesn't have too much damage really on him. And he's got good stuff to where you know that he can get outs pretty reliably. Also, just wanted to put one more little uh, little extra uh, nugget on here. And that is his walks this year. Only 29. Like I said, he got only 29 walks in 31 games started. That is incredible all right what do you guys think here again on web so this is very similar to the argument we had in the american league last year are you going to take the guy with the microscopic era or are you going to take the guy with more innings pitched so last year it was justin verlander versus framber valdez for for the most part really so you have verlander only 175 innings but he had a 175 era then you look at valdez who had tons and tons and tons of innings and he had all the quality starts but his era was a lot higher and it's much easier to have this conversation last year with sandy alcantara who is awesome at both run prevention and consuming it consuming innings so while web does have the extra outs and that's what these are innings pitched outs that's impressive, but he's also allowed an extra 29 earned runs complete compared to Blake Snell. So those 34 extra innings, it's like eight ERA essentially. And it's not that easy to do that. And there's obviously value in preserving the bullpen for an extra inning every start or two. There's uh, there's value both ways because you have a guy facing the lineup the third, maybe even the fourth time. Um, but you get the bullpen. It's a weird dichotomy. And while outs are very valuable, there is a trade-off when Logan Webb is pitching in the seventh inning. And outside of the Padres, because the Padres can't do anything in the seventh inning, uh, I do have to wonder if those extra innings are so valuable that it overcomes Steele, Snell, Senga being more efficient, uh, better at a- accumulating their stats, if you will, better at posting better numbers. I know it's been fewer snaps or uh, uh, fewer fewer innings, but there is a, a trade-off and Webb's allowing more runs. He's pitching more innings, but he's allowing more runs. That That's my thing is also I'm looking at his – you know, the uh, numbers against him as he goes deeper in the games. And, I mean, his ERA in the seventh inning is 5.6. His ERA in the eighth inning is 9. Like, it's not like he's amazing as he go- – it's not – I mean, let me let me try to rephrase this. Is that I appreciate that Gabe Kapler can turn to Logan Webb every fifth day and get six for seven innings at, every time out. 
but you know, is it worth you know, is it is is it worth the as Flash said, is it worth the sacrifice of his numbers taking a hit? You know, I I saw this with Zach Wheeler a couple of years ago when he led the league in in strikeouts and in innings pitched, but his ERA was you know three tenths higher than Corbin Burns. So I I think that Webb he's a real old school guy. He's a workhorse. Uh, he has a sixty one percent ground ball rate, which it's a weird year for him in terms of batted ball data because he's allowed more hard contact and his average exit velocity velocity. Uh, from his opponents are way higher, but I think I I I think that Webb for me is probably fourth. Uh, so if we're going with our final orders, I think uh, surprisingly I have Snell as my winner right now. Steele in second, Senga in third, and Webb in fourth. I really do not know where where I put Strider on this. You could you could just put him away. That's fine. Like he doesn't need to be on that list yeah, of the top that, yeah. four. So on this one, you could probably put in five of our list of five. But for me, honestly, my list goes Webb, uh, Snell, Steel, uh, Sanga, Strider for mine. Uh, give me Snell, Steel, Sanga, Webb, and I'd probably go Wheeler at five. Uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm talking of these. I know, but you you. you you already know. Yeah, yeah. All right. But those are our lists. Let us know what you guys think when it comes to the National League. Cy Young, anyone uh, that we missed against uh, Splash has brought up uh, Zach Wheeler as well. Let us know on Twitter at LAR underscore baseball. Yes, Splash? Uh, something happened in the football game. And I think I just won my fantasy matchup because TJ Watt is him. So my apologies. Uh understandable uh i just uh like yeah i'm just like said something i'm like wait a minute hold on everything good um anyway moving on to our next bit here time we're gonna talk a little bit about something where you know what uh, we're gonna call this a uh, bit everyone makes mistakes because uh we've we're gonna take a look back at some of our takes that we have had at the beginning of the year here and took a look at some of our best and some of our worst each of us have picked a take that we have had that uh, one is our best, one is our worst here. And you know what? We all grow as people. We all do. <laughs> we all try to get better. But at the same time, also just some, sometimes, you know what? Sometimes just poop happens. So who would like to go first? Honestly, I think let's start off with our good. Let's start with the good on this one. What is a good take that you, that Matt, let's start with you. What's your good take that you have? That the, from so, the beginning of the season. So the... Yeah, because I did not let, – let's just say I did not have a good success rate with my takes uh, before the season. Um, my best take this year was getting Corbin Carroll as my rookie of the year pick in the National League because I feel like that was the one there was a fair amount of competition. Uh, you know, I, I feel like I had Gunnar Henderson in the American League, but I feel like he was the consensus favorite in the AL. Uh, I thought Carroll it, – it was closer than – you know, I, there, there were a couple of good rookies, including – including Kodai Senga, but uh, Carroll has been fantastic this year. Uh, 24 homers, 47 steals, 858 OPS. He'll probably get, you know, top five in MVP voting. So I'm going to say that that was the best take I made this season. Fair enough. Um, All right, Splash, yeah, what do you got? Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the two bozos joining me on this this year podcast did not pick the Los Angeles Dodgers to win the National League West. What are we doing here? 
I mean, so, uh, to be okay, come bow on. down. Yes. Uh, a certain Mac picked them to win the World Series or picked the Padres to win the World Series. So I think oh, that might whatever. be his worst prediction. Whatever. Uh, we're not going to talk about my World Series pick for right now, but come on now. It's the Dodgers winning the National League West. To beat them, you have to win 107 games. So that, I listen, I just played a nice, safe shot down the middle of the fairway. Both of you guys found the bunker that I didn't even know existed. Bro, you hit a five iron down the middle of the fairway. We still got five hundred yards to go on this par five. But all right, no, 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 no. We we picked wrong. We picked wrong. We understand. All right, mine's felt like a bit of a layup back then. It still feels like a bit of a layup now, even though he didn't win the award last year. Um, my good take that I had this year was my uh was my um MVP pick. I picked one, Mister Shohei Otani. And um, I will forever stand by that the MVP needs to be renamed here because if you look at value, Shohei Otani is the most valuable player in baseball, and it doesn't matter how good Aaron Judge does, even go back to 2022, most valuable player becomes Otani. So, I mean, to other people, it may have felt a little bit off. Uh, to me, it was an easy pick. So, now, oh yeah, what's up, Slash? You are going to say something? Uh, I didn't, or I d- don't know if we were going to consider these, but we did have a war draft and I picked Mookie Betts as my right fielder as the number one pick over Acuna, Judge, Tucker, etc. Uh, he leads, at least leads the National League in war. So pretty happy with that. Actually, he would be number one in war because we split Otani, the position player and Otani, the pitcher. So oh, I'm pretty enough. happy with that. And I'm happy that I had Acuna over that's in my right field rankings because that's true too. So I somehow <laughs> managed to be on both sides of the argument and win both sides. So I'm a happy splash. Understandable. All right. Well, we've gone through the nice part of the segment. All right. Now it's time to go to the ones that, um, you know what? We're just going to have to eat a little crow on for this one. Uh, I'm okay to go first. If you guys are, if you guys want to hold off or just say, I, cause I've got two, and I I feel like I have to say both because they were one was the more niche bad pick, one was the true bad one. Um, my more niche bad take I had was I said at the beginning of the year that uh Sam Haggerty was gonna be a most improved player, uh, one of the most improved players. I also said Kelnick was, but um, and that's actually kind of close to right, but um. Sam Haggerty ha- ha- did not get to play very much this year. He had a lot of trouble. He's still dealing with some mental issues, still dealing with some body issues. I just hope that we can get to see the t- 2022 Haggerty again, because that was one of the most fun and exciting players to watch. But the other thing I need to say here is my own personal complete mess up was my ranking of the AL East at the beginning of the year. My rankings went as follows. Winning the division would be the New York Yankees, followed up by the Boston Red Sox, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Toronto Blue Jays, and the Baltimore Orioles rounding out the bottom of the pack. You could flip that upside down and make one change between changing the positioning of uh, the Rays and the Blue Jays, and that would then be the correct answer. So not only, I was wrong on basically every single front of that. And you know what? I'm fully okay to be wrong because I'm again, I'm not a Yankee fan. I like the Orioles. I like the Blue Jays. I like the Rays, even though again, I said a lot of bad things about the Rays. I'm sorry. Um, I will. I definitely need to learn better from that 
But uh oh yeah, that's probably the worst take I've done I've had all year. So where do I even begin on my worst take of the year? Because I was wrong on so many fronts. So uh, I was talking to Alex about this before the show, but currently I, as the standings are at, as, as of Monday, September 18th, as we're recording this 1130 PM Eastern time, I am one for six in my predictions for division winners. Current. The only one that I picked to win the, to win their division that's currently winning their division the Houston Astros. So uh, I'll gladly take all my L's on that. Uh, but I think my worst take, as Splash alluded to, I picked the San Diego Padres to win not only the NL West, I had them winning the World Series. My God, I could not have been more wrong. I'm starting to think I way overhyped this team. Uh, they were a very risky roster. They were a team that if they all gelled together, yes, they would win the World Series. This year, they have not gelled. It's been a lot of disappointment other than Blake Snell and Josh Hader. So, yeah, I messed up. Uh, that I, I'll, I'll spend a lot of time uh, rethinking my decisions when the team I picked to win the World Series is going to finish under 500 this year. Hey, you and I are in the same boat here. Uh, I picked the Cleveland Guardians to win the World Series. That was pretty bad. Uh, I picked the Royals to finish second in that division, by the way, and they might be the worst team in baseball, depending on what day it is. Um, I picked Patrick Sandoval to win American League Cy Young. Ouch. I will defend my Hunter Green pick. He did get injured. And my original American League pick was Tristan McKenzie, but he got injured before playing any games. So uh, that was snake bitten to begin with. So, yeah, um, not a great showing there. You know, that's obviously sometimes how pick how takes are. There's a reason why we call them hot, cold, hot takes or cold takes. All those kind of takes, they can be wrong. They can be right. All we can do is learn from them and then continue to still make mistakes because that's what we do. But anyway, what are your guys' takes that you think are you you probably eaten a little bit of crow one or what does it take that you had that no one saw coming that came true let us know again on twitter at lar underscore baseball it's now time for our final segment we actually had every uh every podcast here with a moment to ourselves so fellas if we can use this time to just one minute to talk about whatever's on our mind it does not have to be baseball related but it absolutely can be would either of you like to go first today all right splash you are going to go first. Your time begins in three, two, one, go. Sunday is one of the reasons why I believe Lamar Jackson is an elite quarterback. I know the passing stats are never going to blow you away outside of that one game against the Colts. I know he's not going to throw 40 touchdowns, 4,400 yards, whatever. But the things he does in between the downs, in between the yard markers on the field, in between the margins, that's why the Ravens are so successful when he's the quarterback. It's making the third and sixes into third and fours. It's making the third and twos into first downs. It is just phenomenal to watch week in and week out. Lamar had perfect control of the offense yesterday at this point, and it's, it's a special thing to behold, and there's not many guys in the league that do that. And there's other guys that do it more consistently, and the Joe Burrows of the world and the Josh Allens of the world, and, the, of course, Mahomes does that every game. But Lamar, when he's on, is as good as anyone in the league. He's special. He doesn't do it every week. I'll be the first to admit that, but he was special yesterday. 
All right, fair enough. Mac, would you like to go next, or would you like me to go? Uh, You can go. I still need to come up with something. All right, sounds good. I will start my time in three, two, one. I love Gardner Minshew. I do. I am not afraid to say it. I, to be fair, my love for him goes beyond football. And what I mean by that is uh, I've got to cover him for a good bit well. Uh, for his year at WSU, and that one year was one of the most incredible years of my life. He helped the team fully learn how to heal, learn how to have fun, again, after the passing of Tyler Holinsky. And seeing him come in and take this team and this entire fan base and teach them again how good it feels to just have fun and to enjoy the game of football... I owe this man everything. So seeing him get to play last Sunday here in relief of Anthony Richardson, this dude deserves to be a starting quarterback. I don't care what anyone says. Is he the next amazing quarterback in football? Probably not. But you know what he is? He is an amazing player and a really good human being too. I really like Gardner Minshew. He deserves to be starting in the NFL. All right, Mac, you're last up. You all ready to go? Yes, I am. All right, here we go. Your time starts in three, two, one, go. So I'm also going to talk about football, but I'm talking about college because I just want to point out the Syracuse Orange are three and zero this year, and that game I w- I had my doubts on Saturday night against Purdue on the road in West Lafayette. I remember we barely held them off at home last year in a crazy, crazy game. But Garrett Schrader is proving me very wrong right now. I'm just going to say it. I was not super high on him uh, when I when I was at Syracuse. I did not know what to expect from him. He was a transfer from Mississippi State. He was a tight end there. But that game, that those smooth fake handoffs where he would just hide the ball and then dash down the field, four rushing touchdowns. That's a school record for a quarterback, 190 rushing yards. If you're a Syracuse fan, you have to believe in Garrett Schrader. I think they should have been ranked this week. They weren't, but... I'm telling you, believe in Garrett Schrader, I think the Orange are going to be nice this year. Do I think they're getting more than a bowl game? Who knows? But this is an exciting time to be a Syracuse football fan. Oh, I 100% get that. And and I love watching rushing quarterbacks. This is a good time. Oh, it's so fun. (laughs) I grew up in the Russell Wilson era of football, so I love rushing quarterbacks. Also, one of my favorites of all time is Doug Flutie. So, yeah. Anyway. Regardless of all that being said, that is going to be enough for our podcast. I thank you to everyone for listening. Make sure you go follow us on Twitter at LAR underscore baseball. You can go follow me on Twitter at the sports guy, two, four, two. You can go follow Mac at Matthias underscore a underscore K. And you can go follow splash at Mrs. Splashman 19. Again, go follow our Twitter splash has been putting out some amazing work here, putting on amazing graphics, amazing posts out to people. It has been a good time to be following us on Twitter. But thank you again all for listening. Have a great rest of your nights. Stay safe, and I hope to see you all real soon. Thank you.